0: Would you pray with me? Still our hearts, O Lord, that we may hear your voice. As sheep hear the voice of their shepherd, would we hear your voice and obey? In the name of that great shepherd, Jesus Christ our Lord, and our Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen. may be seated. Weddings have um, kind of been on my mind. Lately, I, uh, just after Easter, I um, was blessed to officiate a wedding of two friends. And that was right about the time that I got the lections for this morning, and I'll, I'll be honest. The, my first thought, what I wanted to preach, uh, I'll let you know a little secret. Sometimes the preacher wants to preach a sermon, and I, I saw that Acts sermon, and I thought, well, I'm a missionary to St. Johns County, and here's Paul being a missionary and you know, light to the Gentiles. I could, I could preach on that. And that'd be real, be fun. Well, maybe not fun, but that's what I wanted to preach. And because I was in the midst of preparing for this this wedding, I couldn't I couldn't get unstuck from the Revelation passage. And uh, if you've brought your Bible with you, you might want to just open them back up to Revelation Revelation 19. Um, I hope it's the Lord that put it on my heart. You know, He kind of sometimes in those ways we can't quite articulate. He just He's speaking to us, isn't He? You know, this morning um I had this bizarre like overwhelming desire as i was uh shaving and getting ready to to grab my iphone in the in the bathroom and put on a paul wilbur album uh i I've never literally my whole life never grabbed my phone and put on music as I got ready in the morning, but i'd had this compulsion this morning, and paul wilbur like i mean it's not my choice of music um he's a I think 80s and early 90s maybe um, praise and worship movement out of the I think messianic Jewish movement and, and I put it on in about like four songs and there's a medley that is straight out of this morning's reading and I I just I was overwhelmed overcome and I, I you know I don't, I don't know why I can't explain exactly but I know that was from the Lord looking back you know that weird Desire, that was God speaking to me, wasn't it? So I'm hoping the same spirit was at work um, as I kind of dwelt on Revelation 19. Um, and with that in mind, you know, I, anyway, that's, that's how I approached the morning. Revelation 19, the bride, that's what really captured me, weddings on the mind. But, you know, that imagery is a little uncomfortable for some of us. Right? I mean, I have not, and don't plan on ever being a bride, personally. Uh, some of you have been brides, or, or would like to be. Um, others of you, maybe not so much. The, the good news is, um, this is not language unique to John. This is a, a truly biblical, throughout the biblical narrative, idea, the bride imagery uh, of God. Um, and he doesn't have lots of brides. So so my new friend Paul here in the front row, he's not Jesus' bride, you know, by himself. And and Johnny here, not Jesus' bride. His bride is the, the people of God, the church, right? Jesus is not, uh, I think the word we use now is polyamorous, not Jesus. Uh, one bride. And I don't want to get overly sentimental about the idea, like, you know, in, in, in 2019 America, brides are sort of the princess of the day, right? We have this, you know, sort of the dream day, and that's the, the wedding, the big idea. We have this huge wedding, and the bride can be the princess for her one special day. <clears throat> and we'll spend, well, I want to say, people spend, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say it, ungodly amounts of money sometimes. I mean, in a way that really does not honor God. For that, that special moment. That's not the kind of bride we have in mind here. So I'm asking you, if, if you're a little like bride uh, this morning, I'm, I'm asking you to do your best to kind of set that aside uh, for, for 20-something minutes here and, and kind of come along for the ride. Um, Revelation 19.7, the NLT has it, uh, For the time has come. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. That's kind of the refrain this morning. The bride has prepared herself. I want to continue the series we've been in, this seeing Jesus. I want to see Jesus from the perspective of his bride. I want us to remember what it is to see Jesus as our bridegroom. We've been kind of going through these four, four weeks so far, seeing Jesus from these different points of view. Not that any one piece is more important, but sometimes focusing for a moment on, on one perspective can give us some insight on how we can hear our Lord and obey. And so this morning, we are learning to see Jesus or remembering to see Jesus from the perspective of his bride. Now, ideas about marriage in the first century were a little different than our own. So again, I don't. I want to be careful. We don't bring into John's message our own ideas about what life is like today. But I think it is fair to say that the fundamental, even we set aside all the cultural stuff, there are certain fundamental ideas about marriage that are the same for us as the same for John. Unlike what tends to happen in those. Those princess for a day weddings were like the goal is to get a wedding. You know, to have that that special day. The goal of a, a marriage like John is thinking, like the church was thinking at the time, and like faithful Jewish families thought before that, the goal is a godly life together. A family honoring God, incarnating God in their home. Through a god, what we would call a godly relationship. I don't think that word's in the Bible. Relationship. You can correct me after if I'm wrong. Um, but but the, that's the word we would use to represent. I think the idea they had in mind that a life together as husband and wife honoring God. Um, and so certainly we we can we can latch to that. I think you know. Um, the Eastern Orthodox Church has a, a little more explicit idea about marriage that I've come to really like. Um, and I'm thankful to Alexander Schmemann and his book, For the Life of the World. Uh, he's got like three pages, I think, on marriage in the whole book. But it's it's been really helpful because in, in his understanding of the church um, and his idea of, of a marriage is that the home is a little church. And so the husband and wife are sort of leading a little church in their home. And that little family does as the the bigger church does, you know, the the assembly on Sunday morning, and that assembly does kind of what the big church does, that the little is an image of the little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And so, you know, the husband in his own life should represent the life of the family, and the family represents the life of the bigger congregation, and the bigger congregation represents the life of the... The bigger church and the, the bigger movement, but, you know, the life of the church universal. And then back down the other way, too, that as the big church does, so the, all the way down to the family and the individual. And so this is the kind of, when we talk about a godly marriage, that these are the big ideas, right? That this, our life is caught up in the life of God. So how does the bride make herself Ready? because I I don't want to veer off into marriage preparation here. Um, Before I can do that, we have to all agree on two things. The first is that nothing I say can be separated from the grace of God and conversion. The bride does not get herself ready so that Jesus will save her or rescue her or marry her. When I speak of making ready, I am speaking about the response to God's grace in salvation. So please don't come up to me and accuse me of preaching works righteousness or something after that's I'm saying right now. And if someone comes out from the bathroom, you'll tell them that we 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 all agreed, right? Okay. Um, and the second is this idea that we can't really separate. Even though I I went on the whole thing about you know we don't have. A few hundred brides of Jesus in here. We have, Jesus has one bride. Um, that these things are related. You know what the one does, the whole, and the whole and the one. And, and so we've got to kind of, because I don't have hours to, right? I don't have. Yeah. I had to make sure you're paying attention. I don't have hours, so we're going to have to kind of use our imaginations a little bit to figure out how these pieces fit together as we go forward. How does the bride pre- prepare? How does the bride make herself ready? I thought, well, that's, I should probably check the Bible. There's probably in here. So I, I Revelation 19, I flipped back to Revelation 18. And there's a lot in there about Babylon and millstones into the sea. And I thought, maybe John got distracted, so I kind of I kept flipping back. And it's just more Babylon, prostitute of Babylon. I, and then it, it hit me. I read, then I read front, to, you know, forwards, and it made a little more sense. The bride has made herself ready. Step one was separating herself from Babylon, from the great prostitute, from the beast. The bride is made ready when she comes out of or comes away from the the forces of sin. Step one. And again, we can't do that. I mean, we can... Well, the Bible says, I'll just have to say it. We can't do that apart from God's grace. But when God's grace comes into our lives, the mark is that we turn away from sin. Step one of the bride preparing herself, step one of seeing Jesus as his bride... Is seeking purity. The prostitute here, this this um, embodiment, is um, it's the corruption of the world, the corruption of the nations, all the things that are working apart to God's purposes, the the things that ensnare God's people. It doesn't say those who are with her are thrown into the pit. It says they're rescued. Away from her. When we recognize Jesus as the bridegroom, when we see him as his bride, out of love, empowered by God's own spirit working in us, we seek purity. We have to ask, what do I need to stop doing? What about, what do I need to start doing? How do I combat? Uh, the old prayer book was great. Uh, I think the new one has, has re-implemented it. Uh, I haven't been to a baptism. I don't think with the new prayer book, um, but I've tried to study. You know, do my homework. Uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Do we have that now? Some there? Yeah, we have that now. We we got rid of it for like 40 years, but we're back. When we when we become a Christian, we are saying, "I promise to forsake the world, the flesh, and the devil." Those are the things that tear us apart. Take us away from Jesus Christ. If we're going to to be the bride preparing herself, we have got to do our part in saying no to the world, the flesh, and the devil, to the powers that corrupt and destroy, and leaving them behind. Now, Again, it's not that just one does it and another over here. Each one is responsible for his or her own life. But then our cell groups, our congregations, our Anglican family, the church Catholic, have to be engaged in that work. And so one at a time and two and three gathered together at a time and churches gathered together saying no to the sinful things and saying yes to the things of God. Personal moral decisions are more cultural or systematic things, are institutional things. When the church gets too invested in politics in a particular nation or country instead of the politics of the kingdom. Um, when we forsake our, our given collective duties like caring for the widows and orphans, we have to stop, we have to stop not doing that and to start doing that. When our cell groups tolerate sin by the people who are in it, we've got to stop doing that, helping one another engage in that work, preparing as the bride. The first way the bride prepares herself is to seek purity. The second is the other side of, of, I think, one coin. It's to seek Jesus. So we say no to Babylon. We say yes to Jesus. Now, again, like when I was dating Elise and we were engaged, we were getting to know each other, right? Um, in John's time, in, in, in the first century world, it was quite common for a bride and groom not to know each other very well at first. They didn't have that sort of romantic, uh, uh, you know, just, oh, I'm going get, to get to know him and he gets to know her, and, you know. Um, but very early in the marriage... Or very you know, in the engagement period, there was a task then of getting to know one another and getting to know families. Uh, I know one of the ways I got to know Elise was letting her tell me stories about her, her family. I had a, a better understanding of who she was, when I understood her family, where she came from, not just geographically but relationally. First century marriages, uh, family was a big part of that. His family, her family. In fact, the goal of her family was that the bride would marry up. Uh, We have a little more mutual understanding of that today, right? I think, uh, I feel like I married up and um, I think the truth is at least probably feels that she did too. Like, you know, there's a mutuality to that, but that wasn't quite the case. Uh, She won't listen, it's okay. Um, but there was definitely this, this idea that the bride sort of came into the honor of her new husband's family. And so we are coming into this God's family and we receive the honor that he has, but we also have a duty to get to know him and to know his family. Well, how are we going to get to know Jesus if we don't spend time with him? Daily, you know, we can be reading. But we're not just reading about him. We can be spending time with him if we will slow down and stop understanding our daily meditation on the Word as a to-do list item. I did not go on dates with Elise to check it off my to-do list. I don't think that made me, you know, makes me weird. I think that's how we understand that you get to know somebody when you enjoy their presence and you willingly slow down and spend time, quality time. For me, I can't do it on the, on the app, on my phone. There are too many, you know, things coming in and popping up as I start reading. Um, so I got a, you know, worn out Bible. You know, and that sort of embodies the relationship. It's sort of battle worn, you know. Spending quality time. And and learning to recognize Jesus then in the world around me, where he's at work, how he's working in other people, how his life manifests in other people. I learn his stories because he's not changing. So what he was doing, he is doing. And I understand who he is better when I know his stories and his dad's stories. Yeah. The first way the bride prepares herself is to seek purity. The second, we leave one and we cleave to another. We draw close to Jesus. Figure out where it is this Jesus comes from, exactly. Now, we kind of embody that when we get together here, right? So the, the individual... I'm asking you to read your Bibles and to spend time with Jesus. But are we doing that as families? Do we do we take family time for Jesus? When we get together as the big church, we kind of do this. You know, we hear we hear the scriptures read and I don't have to preach. on. Every, I was at a church um, for a, a season where the, the, the main the lead pastor wanted to cut down to just one reading. He said, well, I'm only going to preach on one text, and those people, they won't remember the other one, so I might as well just have one reading. But the, the readings aren't for us to use, right? We, we're coming under their authority, and having just had them read makes a difference for us. We should, we should embrace the reading of those scriptures, but we always, when we get together... Uh, for the fullest of the Christian celebration of Holy Communion, we have that full worship. We always have the stories of Jesus himself and his life. We spend time with Jesus. We hear his stories. So again, the one, the group, the family, the whole, this all works together as the bride readies herself. Now, you say, well, now maybe I'm getting into this you know, modern ideas of marriage, and is this really what John had in mind? Well, I think so, and here's here's the thing. Uh, this idea of the bride comes up a lot in the prophets, more than you know, other particular you know places. And in, in Jeremiah, um, he he accuses the people of God. He says, "Does a bride forget?" Well, no. Let me go back. First, he says. When you were a young bride, you followed me wherever I went. He's speaking for God. That the, the young bride just could not, just, I mean, just loved being with the new husband, right? I think we can relate to that, can't we? You know, a young relationship. He wants to be with her. She wants to be with him. So that's, that is exactly what John has in mind. Um, he says, in fact, you loved and followed me even through the barren wilderness. He, Israel was so happy to be with God. They, Israel follows God through the barren wilderness to be with him. Um, and what happens? Well, they spend a little time together and Israel gets a little, I don't know, complacent maybe. And Jeremiah accuses Israel. Does a bride forget her wedding dress? That's ridiculous, right? So, John, if you if you remember nineteen seven, well, nineteen seven is it nineteen eight? Um, we have these linens, right? He talks about the adornment of the bride, and what the bride receives to wear is the the garments of righteousness and salvation from God. That comes from it's a link to Isaiah sixty one. The bride is given the garments of salvation and righteousness. We are delivered out of sin into righteousness. We are to, to put those on and to be putting them on day by day as we seek Jesus, as we prepare ourselves. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to go a little bit out on a limb here because this isn't really preparation. My, my part three. Um, But we can get a a foretaste now of the fullness that will come later in joining in the life of the bridegroom. We who have been delivered away from Babylon, who have have been given the righteousness and salvation of Jesus, are invited into his life now. It's not our best life now. It's his life now. Again, Jeremiah reading uh, or or, or reference, following God even through the barren wilderness. That's one season, but the life God had for Israel was a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, a promised land, a land of promise. And God wanted to use that people in that place to go on a mission to save the whole world. And Israel didn't I'll say didn't always do a great job of that. But the mission is the same. Right? We are invited to join God in his mission to save and redeem the world. Our bridegroom has has a family business that we are called into to support. And so, as the good and eager bride, we're meant to follow him. To join him in that work so that others will see Jesus as the light of the nations. When you see Gentiles, you know, you can, it just depends on which facet of that word you want to choose. But the light to the nations, the light to those who don't know. I guess I got to preach the sermon I wanted after all. Um. Having left the world, the flesh, and the devil, having sought Jesus, having understood who he is, knowing him, seeking, if I can use the word intimacy with him, as one, as two, and three, as families, as, as church, we're called to walk with him out into the world, doing the work he has given us to do. That light to the Gentiles, another prophetic theme. Another way we can learn from our own family history. The ways that maybe um, our spiritual ancestors have not always been eager to join him in the work. We can do, if we can, a little bit better. And I think, isn't that... I mean, how many of us, as we started our families, thought "Well, we could do maybe just a little better than the families we came from, right? I mean... Not me, because um, my fa- you know my family and Elisa's family can't be beat. But um, no mistakes. See, my mom might actually listen. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm here to encourage, to exhort, I suppose, all of us as the bride of Jesus to remember what that means, right? to seek purity to leave behind what must be left behind, to seek the bridegroom. The work is not done when we answered the call to conversion, when we answered his invitation. Our work was just beginning. You know, if that was in our own lives, the wedding day, now we have a marriage. We need to be seeking as that eager bride, uh, seeking our husband, seeking our groom, and participating in his work. Bringing light to the nations, Lord, would you would you show us what we need to stop doing, what we can do less of, what we can cut out from our lives, what we can be disentangled from, in preparation of of that that great moment when you will when you will judge the rulers of this world who have ensnared your children would you would you give us a vision of your son and remind us of how good he is to pursue may we, we may we be reminded just how irresistible he is and like that young bride eager to pursue him wherever he goes. And would you strengthen us and equip us and empower us by your Holy Spirit to participate with him in his mission to save a lost and broken and hurting world. Amen.